come on in the room. What is up, family? Yes. Look, I just want to tell you, you guys are awesome. Last week or on Sunday night, you guys showed out. There were so many people that were just telling me how the message blessed them and how it touched their life. And I hope you guys are ready for the continuation of that conversation. And I firmly think that tonight is going to be awesome. So go ahead, tag somebody, help me have this message, have some width to it, share the link with somebody, take your screenshot, let us know where you are in the world and how this World War Me series is blessing your life. But like I'm a man on a mission, so I want to get straight to work. Our foundational scripture for the time that we have together on this beautiful Thursday night is the exact same scripture because we're continuing the conversation about love but in a different direction. So John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 11 and 13, you guys guessed it. Jesus is speaking. He says, these things I have spoken to you. That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. No half tank, not on fumes, not on empty. I want your joy full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life For his friend. And our clause of consideration, our verse of concern, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Father, we come before you just saying thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being sovereign. Thank you for being a God of multiple chances. Thank you for being so patient with us. And surely, if you are patient with us in our time of rebellion, we can be patient with you in the time of renewal. We're asking that you flood the atmosphere, even through the retina display, even through the iPhones, the iPads, or however somebody's watching this message. Flood the atmosphere. Let this word do surgery. And anoint my lips to be the PA system of heaven, the soundtrack of heaven, where we could ultimately be your billboard in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, would you drop the comment in the room? Amen. Amen. Listen, church family, we came together just a few days ago and we were talking and orbiting around this particular topic of love. I believe love is the most powerful force known to man but love is also the most misused misunderstood misrepresented mislabeled and mishandled force in all of existence because love is not what you can get from a person love is not what you can get from a person so it's not love if somebody ever tells you if you love me you will because love gives lust takes I need to say that again. Love gives, lust takes. That's not love. Love is not what they told us in 90s R&B that has messed up a whole generation. Love is not that warm, bubbly feeling that you feel in your stomach. Love is not even those butterflies that he or she gives you. And if I be real, the way that our generation is set up and the way that culture is set up, we don't even give our butterflies no more. I didn't say any more. I said no more. We don't even give out butterflies no more. It's like we give out mosquitoes. 
<laughs> we give out mosquitoes just sucking the life out of me. This is just sucking the life out of my peace, sucking the life out of my joy, sucking the life out of my contentment, sucking the life out of my sleep. It is just robbing me of my peace. And I feel as though I have a sneaky suspicion that somebody's watching this message and you're like, Lord, could I please have some relational off? <laughs> relational off. For my international audience, off is an insect repellent. It keeps mosquitoes off of you. So it's like, I just need some off. Lord, if I can get some off on my body, if I can get some off on my mind, if I can get some off on my soul because I'm tired. I'm tired of attracting and entertaining these blood-sucking blood pestilences. Is there anybody who's just there where you're like, I'm tired of fake. I'm tired of all the fakery. I'm tired of fake smiles. I'm tired of fake people. I'm tired of fake orgasms. I'm tired of fake posts. I'm tired of fake joy. If you invite me to anything and I have to be fake to attend, I'm probably not going to go. I'm just tired of fake. I'm tired of the counterfeits, I'm tired of the knockoffs, I'm tired of the contradictions, I'm tired of the pain. See, you know why some of us are so frustrated? Like, you're tired of acting as though you're okay. You're tired of acting hard because you know acting hard is hard, right? And, and you're just tired, and the reason that a lot of us are so moody is because you're walking around trying to get over what you told everybody that you're over. <laughs> you're walking around trying to heal and get over the very thing that you told everybody that you're over. So now you have pastors, you have churches, you have family members, and you have friends who are underserving you because I cannot treat a wound that you act like doesn't exist. And if you were, if you were to communicate that hurt, if you were to communicate, I'm still wounded. If you were to communicate, man, this hurt, then I might be able to serve you. But now we have a circle of friends that we're looking at suspect unfairly because you told us you're over it, but really you're not over it. That's not love. And I believe I'm trying to articulate to a people, I want us to experience a kingdom love. I'm talking about that kingdom love to where you don't know, you don't question it, but you know it's something that God has his hand on. I want you to experience a kingdom love so that you don't have to spend the rest of your life trying to translate your heart. Did y'all hear what I just said? I want us to have that kingdom love so that we don't have to spend the rest of our life trying to translate our heart. And we've discovered, Jesus says, no greater love. No greater love than this, than he who lays down his life. So it's not about lip service. The way I can really tell that you love me is by seeing what you laid down. And we talked about this. Listen, have you laid down your pride? Have you laid down your arrogance? Have you laid down your pettiness? Have you laid down your ratchetness? Have you laid down your attitude? It's not just about what you say. But can I see things that you're laying down? I would like to ascribe to you that a lot of people who are married are really just acting like loveless business partners. Oh, I'm getting in trouble. Loveless business partners. We share bills. We share assets. We share responsibilities. We share cars. We share property. We share, we share networks. We even share the same last name, but we have cold bedrooms. 
couldn't keep your hands off of each other before I do, but now won't even put your hands on each other after I do. I need to see love. What have you laid down? And we talked about this. We said, listen, real love is when you can get naked without getting naked. I'm naked. Here are my failures. Here are my screw-ups. Here are my insecurities. Here are my flaws. Because real kingdom love requires nakedness. Accountability requires nakedness. Covenant requires nakedness. Healing requires nakedness. And therefore, we came to the conclusion a lot of us are getting the wrong type of naked. (laughs) Physically naked, but emotionally clothed. And we want to experience what God has for us. Jesus says, listen, it's by laying down your life. And if we can get a generation to experience this type of love, real love changes things. Real love can change a nation. Real love can change a community. Real love can change a household. Real love can change your preference. You do know that when you love Jesus, it affects what you love. Like your type changes the more that you love Jesus. Here we go, about to get in trouble. The very thing that you used to like, the more that you fall in love with Jesus, you don't like it anymore. And there's a problem if your BC days, meaning your before Christ, and now your after Christ, you still love the same things. Because the Bible says the love of the Father can't be in you when you also have the love of the world in you. There's some things I no longer love. So now it makes sense. When I truly love God, I'm going to begin to love what he loves, and I'm going to begin to want what he wants, and I'm going to begin to desire what he desires. Now, I'm in a place where I can get the desires after my heart because my desire is after his heart, and I only want what his heart wants, and so now he can give me what I want because I don't want anything that he doesn't want. Love, kingdom, love. Listen, I want us to understand this. One man's that's unrealistic is another man's character that's so good i hope that's confirmation for somebody one man's that's unrealistic is another man's character and could the reason we keep having self-inflicted wounds and self-inflicted pain and self-inflicted headaches is because we're trying to make a distraction a husband maybe the thing is they never were right see listen before i met my wife I was in this relational context, and we were cool. We were compatible, but like I told you, you can be compatible with a demon. Anyway, we were cool. We were compatible. We got along well, but it just seemed like the more I would get into purpose, like the more I would surrender my life to Jesus, the more Jesus kept messing up our relationship. Has that ever happened to anybody? Y'all don't leave me out here. Can I get like a hand raise emoji? Have you ever noticed like when you really start loving Jesus, he messes up stuff? It's like he'll wreck your plans to make sure that your plans don't wreck you. The more I was surrendering my life to Jesus, it seemed like the more we would argue about stuff, the more we would bump heads about things. And it was like Jesus was trying to get me to understand there's a problem if you got to choose between her and me. If you got to choose between pleasing them and pleasing me, we got problems. We got problems if it's harder for you to seek my face because you all in his face. It's harder for you to do my will because you keep caring about their will. It's hard. And so I'll be at concerts saying, hey, this is what we do at the concerts. And hey, we have this Bible study and this is what we're doing. And this is what we're doing. It was like I was trying to mold and construct. Have you been trying to mold and construct a counterfeit to be a God sent? Long story short, 
that relationship ended, and I meet Tanisha. I meet my wife, and I don't have to tell her how to worship because she's a worshiper. I meet my wife, and I don't have to tell her this is how we read because she already has her own Bible reading plan. I don't have to tell her this is how we lift our hands because she's already lifting her hands. And I understand now what one person thinks is unrealistic is another person's character, but you'll never see it if you don't let go of it. If you don't let go of it, what you're trying to mold and construct God's saying, I already got something that already knows how to worship, that already knows how to pray, that already knows how to seek my face. But do you trust me enough to let go of your history and trust that I got you for your destiny? Will you release it? And I'm like, man, how do we get so stuck to where we don't let things go? Like, you know this is toxic. You know this is unhealthy. Look at your hair. It's falling out. Look at those things under your eyes, like the stress that you're experiencing. This is unhealthy. So why do we keep holding on to that which is toxic until I begin to recognize hmm, maybe it's due to mental weddings? Yeah. See, mental weddings have it to where you get married without your heart's permission. And the reason you don't want to break up is because literally you have to have a heart divorce. You already know what you see. You already see the wedding cake. You already see the groom. This is why it bothers you if somebody says, let's be friends. And I'm not talking about them saying, let's be friends because they want to play. But you're not trying to be friends. You're trying to get married. <laughs> and so this is bothersome to where my mind is in this mental wedding. And this isn't just romantic. There's some people that you're pursuing things because of what you want. You want that boat, so you're working hard. You want that bigger house, so you're working hard. The problem is you're sacrificing your family on the altar of pursued wealth. So you're not there for your son's soccer game. You weren't there for your daughter's dance recital. You're not there for your wife's celebration because it's about what you want. This this, this mental wedding. So yes, I can see all the red flags, but I won't let it go because I see something in my mind. Listen, a sparrow and a goldfish can fall in love, but where they gonna live? Y'all talk to me, where? Can I get somebody to just drop the comment? Where? If you're watching me live, just hit the high note. Where? Where are we gonna live? <laughs> and it may be comical to somebody watching this message, but there are a lot of us who are drowning to try to keep a fish. Drowning in insecurity, drowning in doubt, drowning in rejection, because you're trying to keep something that's at another level. And God is saying, I want to take you to another altitude. I want to take you to another realm. I have something better for you, but you'll never see it if you don't let go of the fish. See, listen, mental weddings make us stay in seasons longer than we have to. Mental weddings cause for us to entertain counterfeits and receive trauma. And this is why I wish we had more content and more messages that would stop preaching to the opening act, but would consider the backstage. See, yes, he may have anger issues, but could the anger issue due to the backstage, due to them being dropped off at seven years old? And the daddy said that he was coming back, but he never came back, and now he's 27, and you're talking about you got anger problems. But if you consider the backstage, there's a reason why. 
Could you consider the backstage? Maybe the reason she keeps having sexual relationships with every man that she's with is because she had a stepfather that she really loved and she wanted to spend time with him. But every single time she would spend time with him, he would touch her inappropriately. So she equated, for me to spend time with you must mean you have to touch me. So now she's older and every single man she thinks for him to spend time with me, he has to have sex with me. Consider the backstage. Consider the backstage. Nobody, when a house is on fire, nobody tells a person who screams for help to watch their tone. In the same way, I think we need to stop trying to dictate the way people respond to trauma. The backstage, the backstage, we all have something that we're going through. We all have something we want to be cleansed from. And I'm like, listen, I'm not just going to preach about the issue. I'm going to give you some strategies. So I want to just start this thing off. I want to give you some ways where we can take some preventative measures. Are y'all ready for this? Preventative measures. Number one, believe patterns, not just I'm sorry's. I need to say that again. Believe patterns, not just I'm sorry's. Okay? Somebody saying I'm sorry, yes, that is a full sentence. I'm sorry is a full sentence, but patterns reveal a heart type. It reveals a heart type. And this is why a lot of people struggle with change. We struggle with change because we try to change at the system level instead of the pattern level. Patterns create rhythms and rhythms create systems. Don't just go off an apology. I need you to consider the pattern. I like to consider the Joseph principle. When Joseph brothers came back in his life, before he revealed himself to them, he was like, okay, I have to test them. So let's put this cup in their bag, and I need to test them. Before I reintroduce myself to them, I want to see, are they the same people who threw me in a pit? Are they the same people who took my coat? Are they the same people who sold me into slavery? Because just because you need something now doesn't mean you've changed. Believe patterns. Not just, I'm sorry. And for everybody watching this message, I need you to forgive yourself for all the times you chose to live in denial versus to receive the awakening. Believe patterns, not just, I'm sorry. Number two, don't fall for potential. Don't fall for potential. In school, we had a class called IPC. And they taught us the difference between potential energy and kinetic energy. Everybody watching this message right now, you have potential. The graveyard is filled with people who have potential. But I don't want to go off potential. I need kinetic. Because just because they have potential, you aren't promised it will ever be in motion. <laughs> Preach Holy Spirit. And a lot of us are falling for the trap of potential. Well, he seemed like he could do this. And if she really applies, and if he really, listen, let's go to the word on this. I want you guys to see this. John chapter 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much, what's that word? Fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from me, you're just going to have potential. So I'm telling you, don't go off potential, go off fruit. 
I don't want to have to hope. I already see this brother has the fruit of self-control. I don't want to have to hope and pray she's going to be kind. I can already see she has the fruit of gentleness and the fruit of kindness and the fruit of self-control. I need to be able to see some fruit right now. Can I get somebody to drop the comment now? Don't go off potential. Go off fruit. Number three, stop running divine red lights. Divine red lights. God always lets you hear the thunder before he allows you to get wet by the rain. And every single time God shows you a red light, don't run it because of what you want. Don't run it because of your biological clock ticking. Don't run it because of what your friends think. Don't run it because of what you feel in your emotions. How about when you catch feelings, you go in prayer? Yeah, let's do that. Stop just saying, but I have feelings for him. First, before these feelings form, I need to see if God formed this. Before you catch feelings, get prayer. God, this is how I'm feeling. And I need to see if how I'm feeling is congruent with what you have for my life. Because if this is not what you have for my life, help me to stop feeling like this. If this means stop talking, if this means stop following, if this means stop calling, whatever I got to do. How about check your feelings instead of telling God, this is how I feel. How about say, God, should I feel like this? And if I don't, help me purge. See, we talked. <laughs> we talked about this wasn't love. Tonight, just for a few moments, I want to talk from this topic. So this is love. Hmm. So this is love. One of the things I never really liked about churches is when they would always point out the problem, but you never give me handles. All right, if that's not love, what is? I'm glad you asked. We're going to walk through this. First thing I want you to know is that love is the fingerprint for the Christian. It is the litmus test. It is the birth certificate. It is the license. It is the social security. Love. Love is the litmus test for the Christian. It proves that we are truly a Christ follower. Therefore, this explains why the enemy has been so strategic in sending heartbreak after heartbreak, pain after pain, distraction after distraction, blow after blow, wave after wave, trial after trial, because he wants to harden your heart. And he knows that a hardened heart can't be a loving heart. So if the litmus test for the Christian is the way we love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples by the way we love one another. Maybe if I could cause them to feel hurt and pain, they won't be able to love because their heart is hardened. And, and, and the wounded heart, the wounded heart will never be able to live in the overflow. Did y'all hear what I just said? The wounded heart will never be able to live in the overflow. This is why it's so dangerous for us to try to act like that didn't happen. This is why it's so dangerous for us to act like we're cool and we're straight and that didn't bother us because you can never live in the overflow. I want you guys to see this. When you don't address all of your brokenness, when you don't address all of your pain, right now you're cool. But when God wants to take you to the next level, when God, oh, oh, I can't receive it. I can never live in the overflow. I can never live in the abundance. I can never live in what God is trying to do because everything that he's pouring in me keeps leaking out. It's leaking out through this blind spot of bitterness. It's leaking out through this blind spot of insecurity. It's leaking out through the time I got raped and I never talked about it. So now a lot of us have adjusted to live like this. As long as I don't move, I don't leak. 
as long as, so no, I'm not going to move. No, I'm not going to do much. No, I'm not going to ask God for much. No, I'm not going to have great faith because I'm at a place right now where at least I'm not leaking. And we have adjusted to bare minimum. We've adjusted to bare minimum. But God wants you to live in the overflow. But until you address what happened, you can't. Until you address the pain, you can't. Every single time God tries the next level you, due to all the blind spots in you, it keeps leaking out. And then you bleed on other people. You bleed on people in your community. You bleed on other relationships. It's because you're not addressing your brokenness. You're not addressing this one little hole about your daddy never being there. And that really bothers you. That really bothers you. And it's hard for you to go higher because of this brokenness. So let me show you what we do. When God tries to pour into us and we have all of this, we look for relationships that could hide our real issue. Never deal with it. You can't tell I'm bleeding. Why? Because I'm in a relationship that covers up my pain. I'm in a relationship where I ain't got to deal with my trauma. I'm in a relationship where I don't have to deal with what hurt because I'm with somebody who could hide it. And you're using it as a bandage. But what happens when God tries to take you higher, ma'am? You leak. And so you go right back to a place that can hide it. What do you do when God tries to take you higher, sir? You go right back to a relationship that can hide it. Right back to a drink that can hide it. Right back to a club that can hide it. And God wants you to live in the overflow. And you'll never be able to live in the overflow if you don't address what hurt. Hmm. Love is the litmus test for the believer. So now... It makes so much sense why we have trial after trial. Now it makes so much sense why we have hit after hit. A lot of us, what we are calling opposition due to rejection is really that opposition is a revelation. Maybe you're going through this not because you have an open door, but because you have the right door. Maybe you're going through all of this because you have the right door. You're in a war. This is why you're married and that coworker doesn't care and flirts with you anyway. You're at a war. This is why your DMs look the way they look. This is why you randomly got that text from that ex because you're at a war and the enemy never wants you to become because he knows if they could get over this, they're going to walk into that. They're going to walk into a new level of understanding. They're going to walk into a new level of wholeness. See, if this doesn't apply to you, you can sit there and look cute and be quiet. For the rest of us, this is confirmation. Maybe this is why my family's acting crazy. Maybe this is why people keep coming back. Maybe this is why people keep trying me maybe this is why all of this is happening because the enemy doesn't see this as a setback he knows it's a setup and he knows if you could ever under ever understand that you're more than a conqueror you're gonna seize this and walk into another level so he's trying to blow after blow attack after attack and what I'm trying to get us to understand is every storm is not the same Jonah went through a storm and Noah went through the storm but for different reasons Noah went through a storm because he was favored Jonah went through a storm because he was rebellious and I want you to ask yourself the question can you identify why I'm going through this storm sometimes it's due to you being protected and the enemy's terrified see listen satanic elevation exposes hell's intimidation I need to say that again. Satanic elevation exposes the enemy's intimidation. 
The reason the attacks have elevated is due to what you're becoming. The reason the distractions have elevated is due to what no longer has you. And he's trying to see, do I still have a grip on their mind? Do I still have a grip on their peace? Do I still have a grip on their preferences? And he's doing so much because he realizes that he has so little of you. And somebody needs to drop the comment in the room, hell lost one. So he's trying to do everything he can. And if I could encourage you, stop looking at the turbulence. Stop looking at the turbulence of your life. Stop looking at the turbulence of 2020. Stop looking at the turbulence of your situation. But I want you to look at the altitude. Because turbulence is only given to those who are flying. Stop looking at the turbulence. And I want you to start trusting the one who's making you go higher. So I'm going to give you some points and I'm done. We talked about this wasn't love. Let's talk about how to identify if this is love. Point number one, the first indicator of love is they speak fluent in truth. They're fluent in truth. Love tells the truth. Love tells the truth. This is problematic for people who have confused love as hate. If you hate the truth, you will hate people who love you. Because we have confused love as hating. It's only a problem when you hate the truth. Love tells you the truth. When somebody loves you, they're not going to allow your drama to be their entertainment. They're not going to take your issue to the gossip committee. It's not going to end up on Shade Room or World Star. This is going to end up in the prayer closet. Because they love you and they're going to tell you the truth. This is why I have such an issue with these churches, y'all. With these pastors who don't tell people the truth. And when you don't read to study the Bible to show yourself approved, I could be up here preaching something that's not biblically sound. Everything that sounds good doesn't mean it's sound or it's good. Bad doctrine equates bad living. And this is why a lot of them say, I got this miracle cloth. And if you buy this miracle cloth for $49.99 and you lay it on your, that's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. And if we had more people to tell people the truth, we would have more wholeness in the church. Tell people the truth. Tell them it's their patterns. Don't tell them if you come and give $400 and you get $500, God's going to bless you. No, say this is a pattern. This is a pattern. The reason you keep lying is because you fear the truth. I have to address your lying issue. You're lying all the time. If you tell the truth, then it will keep your relationships. Tell them the truth because the truth will make you free. Fluent in truth. Number two. An indicator of love is there's a willingness to be inconvenienced. We talked about this briefly, but I'm going to come and do some surgery really quick. When you have a willingness to be inconvenienced, this exposes love. Please hear me. Inconvenience exposes fraudulent lovers. Inconvenience exposes fraudulent lovers. You really don't know if they love you until you have noticed how, how they act while being inconvenienced. You're going to have a baby crying at 2, 3 in the morning. Have you seen how this brother acts when he doesn't get his way? <laughs> You're going to have to get up and go to work sometimes. You don't want to do it. Have you seen them inconvenienced? Because if you have not seen them inconvenienced, you really don't know the amount of love they have for you. Now, I'm about to mess some ladies up. A lot of ladies, you think he loves you because he doesn't mind being inconvenient as long as you give him some sex. 
because I could be inconvenient as long as I know she's going to give me some. But if you take that away, I'm talking about unmarried people. Married people, the kitchen stay open like IHOP 24-7, unless y'all agree. Anyway, but if you are unmarried, if you are unmarried, you really don't know his willingness or her willingness to be inconvenienced if every time they're inconvenienced, you have sex as a reward. So if you can remove that, then you can see how willing is he to be inconvenienced when he don't get an orgasm. <laughs> how willing are they to be inconvenienced? Listen, inconvenience reveals someone's heart posture. Let's look what the word says about this. Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks to himself, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Look at this. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. But then in verse it says, for each one shall bear his own load. Hmm. I'm kind of confused. What, what's the difference between a burden and a load? A burden is likened unto a boulder, a wrecking ball. This is when something just hits their life. Boom! Somebody throws a cigarette outside the window. Their house catches on fire. They call you at 3 in the morning, and they say, hey, man, I'm so sorry. Would you mind if me and my wife, we crash with you for a minute? Our house is on fire until our insurance takes us to a hotel or something. Would you mind if we stay with you? That is bearing somebody's burdens. This is nothing that they could predict. This is nothing that they could do. So I'm going to take on that burden. I'm going to get up, go get your family, and bring you with me and take on that burden because I'm called to care about each other's burdens. Somebody gets in a car accident, and they break their leg, and you're like, hey, I'm going to cut your grass, and my wife has prepared meals for you so you don't have to worry about cooking. That's bearing somebody's burden because it is a wrecking ball. It's nothing they did. It's nothing that they could have predicted. It hits their life, but a load is different. A load is likened unto a backpack. If we're going hiking and it starts to get hard and you say, hey, bro, can you carry my backpack? No, that's your load. <laughs> that's your load. You put that stuff in your backpack. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't life's fault. It's due to what you packed. So you have to carry your own load. I'm about to get in trouble. So nobody told you to try to be impressive to your job and go buy that expensive house. No, I'm not paying your mortgage. That is your load. That's what you put in your bag. That was a financial choice that you made. That is not a burden. That is your load. Makes sense. It's something that you packed yourself. So we love each other by bearing each other's burdens, but don't let nobody manipulate you. A backpack is when you carry your own load. This is good. All right, have y'all noticed I haven't said nothing about romance? <laughs> I haven't said nothing about love tanks and love banks, and I haven't said nothing about that warm, bubbly feeling. It's because culture has lied to us on what love is. Let me tell you something that what a lot of people won't tell you. Love takes work. Love takes work. This dismisses the whole notion that you can fall in love. <laughs> How do you fall into patience? Man, girl, you so fine. I just want to be inconvenienced. Mm, mm, mm. When I see you walk, I just want to long suffer. I just want to keep no, no. 
Love is a choice. I choose to love, and it is difficult because it requires for you to die to yourself. And a lot of us will never experience true love because we won't experience true death. Death to your will, death to your way, death to your attitude. <laughs> I've said nothing about romance. I'm trying to give you that real, real, that Bible real. This is love. Number three, love corrects. Correction. If love takes work, this means you can't have a poor work ethic. <laughs> love corrects. When you really love somebody, you correct them because you don't want them to be wrong. Now, here is a huge issue. This is a problem if you get easily offended. I feel like I lost my whole amen section. Love corrects, which is a problem if you get easily offended. Let me just help somebody. Can I get everybody to drop this comment in the room? Being offended is a choice, and I refuse to give you that much power. I'm going to say it again. Being offended is a choice, and I refuse to give you that much power. When you love somebody, it's going to be difficult for you to receive true love and for you to get easily offended. And then somebody may say, look, I just don't want to say that. I want to keep peace. Peace at the cost of your voice that's not peace. There's a difference in being silent and keeping peace. You being silent because you don't want to correct them because you don't want what comes with it after you try to correct them. This is not love. Love corrects. Love corrects. And the devil loves an offended people. Please hear me. The devil loves an offended people because they will never be a counseled people. And if they are a people who live without counsel, they are a people who live in danger because there is safety in a multitude of counsel. So this must mean without counsel, there's danger. There's danger. So you can't be powerful and petty at the same time. You can't gossip about them and pray for them at the same time. You can't be fast and pure at the same time. And you cannot love and be easily offended at the same time. Because if you're with somebody who loves you, they're going to tell you the truth. And sometimes they're going to correct you. So here's the question you have to ask yourself. The person who, who you call bae, the person who you call pastor, the person who you call friend, the person who you call brother or sister, when is the last time one of them corrected you? Because if you're not surrounded by anybody who doesn't correct you, you're surrounded by people who don't love you. Gosh, I know this is heavy, y'all. And listen, for me, I've understood I'm in this place that everybody doesn't want to be corrected. So I have to identify the difference between a refrigerator and a trash can. So this is how Jerry operates, okay? There are certain people who have a refrigerator nature, and there are certain people who have a trash can nature. The refrigerator nature, when I give you wisdom, they put it on the inside and they preserve it. They preserve it so they could glean from it in a, time, in a time of hunger. They preserve it so if they meet anybody else, they can serve them wisdom too. They can serve them wisdom too. A trash can, it doesn't matter if I serve you a five-star meal, it eventually rots because they don't preserve it. And you have to be able to identify, if I share this correction with them, do they have a refrigerator nature where they'll preserve it? Or do they have a trash can nature where they're going to get rotten and stank? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son who he receives. 
if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So God's saying, hey, this is the sign that you're mine when I correct you. <laughs> Did you ever li- remember a time in your life when you would sin and feel nothing? And now when you're about to sin, you feel something? It proves that you're God's. Because it corrects you when you're about to let your flesh have its way. But there was one time you would do your thing. You didn't even think about repentance. You didn't even think about prayer because you were not God's. Number four, we talked about this love is generous. Love is generous. If you love your wife, you're going to be generous. You're going to give. If you love your church, you're going to be generous. You're going to give. If you love your children, you're going to be generous. You're going to give. Love and generosity are married. For God so loved the world that he gave. You cannot say you love and not give. Number five, love covers. Listen, we all have a chapter in our story that we don't want read out loud. Don't y'all look at me like that, myself included. We all have a chapter in our story that we don't want read out loud. And God doesn't get glory out of embarrassing you. He really deals with you in private. And there's certain stuff, while y'all looking at me cray cray, there's certain stuff that you have done that only you and God know about. Love covers. I'm not talking about hiding sin. I'm talking about you recognize this was wrong. I'm not going back to that. God will handle it. Like, listen, we're not doing that anymore. My son died for that, and I'm going to cover you. A lot of us are tripping about the people who talked, but I want you to think for a moment. You should give God praise for the mouths that he kept closed. Love covers. If I know dirt on somebody, I have so much tea on people. I have so much tea. My whole Kermit the Frog. I have so much tea. But I'm not spilling it because love covers. It don't even matter if we're not cool no more. It doesn't matter if you don't like me anymore. It doesn't matter if we're not boys or a brother and sister anymore because you don't like me. Or there's some issue and we're not close. I'm still not going to spill what you told me. Because love covers. And I would not want that done to me. And mature love recognizes you're covered. Love is a blanket covers it and this is how you have discernment because you got to be able to recognize a Simon moment from a Peter moment and you could ruin a relationship because in this moment they acted like Simon and you posted it to the world but really you know that they have a Peter nature go to your brother go to your sister and y'all talk about it one-on-one a lot of us are posting more about people than we talk to how can you post about it but not talk to them about it Love covers. The last one, love keeps no record of wrong. Records blinds you to growth. Listen to what I just said. Records blinds you to growth. And there are a lot of married couples right now that they cannot see that their spouse is not the same person they were in 2017 because they keep holding the records from 2015 and 16. So now that it's 2020, you can't even see that they've grown because you keep throwing up records. This is how your arguments turn four to five hours because the whole time, I remember when you did. What about the time you did? And what about the time you did? Love keeps no record. And this is what love 
truly is. And may God give us hearts. May God give us hearts, character, and maturity to be able to love like he loves. Because no greater love than this, than he who lays down his life for a friend. And by this, all men will know that you're my disciples by the way we love one another.